You're listening to the Purpose and Vision Mastery Podcast with Christine Rita Abankwa. So today we are going to be talking about business systems for African entrepreneurs. And our guest today is Mr. Augustinus Ngombe, who is based in Vintuk, Namibia. He is an author, business leadership trainer, and coach, and Mandela Washington Fellowship alumnus. Augustinus, welcome. So great to have you here. Thank you so very kindly, Christine. I've been looking forward to this platform, and uh, I'm glad that we could finally settle it down. Yes, and we are going to be talking about a topic that I know is really dear to your heart. You are passionate about leadership, you're passionate about governance, and today we're talking about business systems, which are, in summary, a definition I really like, well-documented mm-hmm. procedures that outline how to do something in your organization to achieve your business goals. So they have to be well documented. Augustinus, in terms of African entrepreneurship, can you paint a picture for us? Okay, um, to start with, uh, Africa is rich not only with natural resources, but it's also rich with human resources in a way that there are a lot of creative thinkers there are a lot of people who could innovate and invent and there are a lot of people who could establish things that could make a difference not only at the local level but also global or continental level but unfortunately uh, based on the definition that you have given uh, we have a tendency of not having record while In systems, you need to have procedures written down which will be able to give a map to another individual, whether they have attended school or not, to be able to replicate the same thing that you have done or even do it better than you um, in order for you to achieve the same results. Now, we do not have a tendency of recording things that we do and that makes it difficult to even start penning down simple procedures that can help us start um, the replication processes of our ideas. So that is the predicament that we have. We have beautiful ideas, we have beautiful inventions in terms of uh, uh, business initiatives but they cannot take off because we have the instructions in the head and these instructions cannot be well understood by people who may come, join or buy into the vision that you have. And hence our struggle of having a business that have been the same, operated the same way for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and it's not profitable. I'm now just thinking about you know, the struggles that small businesses face, right? So a lot of our businesses are one man or one woman shows or, you know, very small teams. And you find Mm -hmm. that we make it up as we go along, you know? What is the 
fine line that we have to straddle between having a structure and systems and also adapting to the changes that come. Because somebody can argue that, look, I'm in an unpredictable, dynamic industry. I can't always have things documented and, you know, procedures and follow them. I I think we can start from the angle of first finding out what is the purpose you are establishing a business. Why do you want to sell a product or service? Does it go beyond you or it is just centered around you and your basic need like I should be able to afford food? If it's affording food, you will always think of this business as you. And if it's purpose beyond you, which is solving the problem of the community or the society, you would want to multiply it so that you can reach a greater audience. Now, in in the aiming of reaching the greater audience, whether it's in the service or the product that you are offering, you would be careful to know how you are able to cascade the vision and the mission, the objectives that you have. Now, if you were to work with the team, if others were to join you, there should be something that will be able to guide and govern you. How will you be able to establish that? You would then be able to write down the procedures on how you are going for it from day to day as individuals and as a team collectively, to be able to work towards one common goal and one common vision, which is which is now this company. The problem that we have is that we establish a, a, a business venture and it never matures to break out of the shell of you uh, in order for it to live as an entity on its own. So when you center the vision around a human being, unfortunately, you are only limited to the thinking and you are limited to the skills, exposure, you are limited to the resources this individual has as opposed to having to open it to the other individuals who can come in and be able to carry out the same activity. So when you are to establish a venture that is beyond you, you would want to communicate clearly to other individuals as to what are the intentions behind this? What do you need as resources to achieve this? Now, having to do that in a team, you would be able to accommodate other people's differences and it can best be governed by the procedures that you have, which will be speaking to the vision goal and mission of that specific entity. Uh, Doing this can not only help you be able to attract other individuals, but it helps you to attract skills, experience, exposures, and the, the, the resources which other people have, which you are limited to be able to access as an individual. So the good thing is that if the procedures, vision, goals and objectives are clear it's easier for you to be able to carry out your 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 um your business well as opposed to you 
being able to be centered on what you know and what you are able to do as an individual. You asked a very important question, Augustinus. Why are you starting a business? Very powerful. Is it for today, for just sustenance, just to get you by? Or are you doing something for life? Do you want something that will outlive you? And now it brings in the issue of growth. Because for you to grow, you do need to have proper systems in place. I've encountered situations where you know you have a boss or a a company owner let's just say a business owner who holds on so much to the information that nothing can happen in his absence and when he is present he's micromanaging people so unfortunately the result of that is you know their productivity issues if he's overwhelmed other areas of the business suffer you know customers aren't happy the business reputation goes down and it affects the the ability of the business to grow so another dimension that i'd like us to look at augustino when we talk about documenting our procedures and you know this is exactly how things are done in my absence or if the accountant uh, leaves the job or, you know, there's other structural changes, right? Are we not sometimes mm-hmm. threatened by, you know, the loss of our intellectual property? You know, if I share with you all of these procedures and my trade secrets, am I not releasing my competitive advantage to my employees? But the whole thing is that we establish businesses and work ourselves out. What will happen to you when you are dead and the idea and the needs of people is still there? So it will inform you that the insecurity you have about the, uh, the, the copyright and the patent, it's just a mere fear to limit you because there are provision within the laws to be able to protect your own idea. If fear is a problem, perhaps where we need to start is first go and register so that your intellectual property are protected. Once it is then protected, then you have the liberty to be able to establish the rules and procedures which will help others be able to carry out business activities without bothering you. Can you imagine how daunting it will be when you were supposed to sleep at night and someone is calling you to ask you, how do you prepare a door that will enable you to bake a fat cake? It becomes disturbing that you would want peace with your family and retire to bed and you would not want disturbance. But if you have written down the procedures on how to bake fat cakes, when you are to hire a person who is to produce fat cakes, they will do it effectively in your absence. This is not an area of threatening, uh, of stealing your business. The moment you will not be dead, but you will be sick and unable or travel for business conferences and the business must go on in your absence. How will others be able to carry out activities 
if it's only you who must know the best, if it's only you who must stand out to be an excellent individual. So this become then a stumbling block that the best way to make yourself stagnant or the best way to kill your business is to instill or to be inspired by the fear that you have of other people become better than you. That is very powerful. Mic drop <laughs> for that, Augustinus. Being inspired by the fear that other people will become better than you. And, you know, this whole issue of lack of systems, whether it's because we want to do things in our own way, because that's also another issue, you know, because you are the business owner and you report to yourself, you feel that you can, you know, change the rules whenever you feel like you tell the accountant to release money when they shouldn't be releasing money. You are, you know, partial to certain clients and not to others, just doing things the way that you want to. Another issue that is coming up here is consistency. And, you know, I actually, I've, I've been interacting with a lot of um, small businesses and there are some that produce peanut butter, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes I've, I've realized that you can buy your peanut butter from the same person and each time you buy it it tastes differently right it uh-huh. it still tastes good but sometimes the consistency is different sometimes it's really thick sometimes it's um more liquid sometimes there's more salt sometimes there's no salt and these issues all boil down to the consistency so when it comes to your quality control and your recipe and your standards, mm-hmm. how are you going to leave your mark if you don't have a proper procedure? Because remember, when it comes to customers, we continue buying certain things because we like them the way that they are. Even when you know it comes to export, right? You need to mm-hmm. have consistency. You want to sell your products out of your country. How are you going to justify the lack of consistency? Maybe wondering why we are not having different branches of our businesses um, with locally from one county to the other. If you are from the Southern part, would say from one region to the other. It seems as though African entrepreneurship are um, home gardens that if I do not do it in my yard, then it's not mine. Um, this is simply because I think we start too soon before the business idea matures. There's a rule in in uh, in laboratory procedures. Um, I'm coming from the biology or biological background, and we say for you to be able to conclude that this experiment was successful, you might have run the same experiment three times so that you get rid of the errors that come from miscalculation. Uh, Maybe you have not used the right um, tool to be able to measure uh, any chemicals that you might have used in the experiment. It could also be the environmental factor might have come to play. So you, you must follow the procedures three times in order for you to be satisfied and say, 
this is the result that I was looking for, whether it have failed or it have succeeded. Now, with business, how would you even know the standard if you have not had instructions that have drawn a map that tells you where do you start and which one is the middle part, which one is the finishing part, it becomes almost difficult and impossible. We always think that the brain can be entrusted to bring the consistency of the instructions. But unfortunately, the head was made as a production center of ideas. If you, to, if you are to trust it, with the instructions and the consistency. The funny thing is that the time you will need it, the brain would want to be able to produce more new ideas. And these new ideas will temper with the way you'll be able to execute the procedures that you have set in place. And you don't get to perfect things in experiment. You perfect it after experiment and after you have approved that this is the only way it works and the the center of experiment must be separated from the center of production that's why you find universities are having a department of research separate from the departments that credit students on the merit they, they have or the competencies they have proven to have uh, accomplished. Now, the problem that we have with the SMEs is that we mix the experimentation phase or experimentation unit of the business with the production unit of the business. But if we were to separate and say, unless I have experimented and have gotten the same result several times, then I can introduce the recipe. Then we will be able to even meet the standard that the government would want you, the other government in other countries, because now we are talking about African open inter-trade. So this government would want to protect their people. Therefore, they need to set standards in place. And these standards must be made so that the healthy of people is not compromised. Now, if the experimentation is separated from the production, the likelihood is that you are going to retain consistency in terms of production because you will only apply in the production unit things that are already tested than new ideas that emerge on a day to excite you. You are not producing for yourself. You are producing for other individuals who have got certain needs to be met in a certain manner. Thank you so much for that, Augustinus. It's, um, it also brings to mind the fact that, you know, this concept that you are discussing doesn't just apply to people who produce tangible goods, but also service. Because, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you are dynamic, you are literally in a jungle. And the knowledge that you have may not always be enough to get you to where you're going. So you are constantly experimenting, trying to find what works based on the way that people respond to you, the way that the market responds to you based on your profits, uh -huh. you know, 
based on your resources. So we are constantly experimenting. I think the point that you're making here, which is very important, is that we should be careful not to mix the two, the experimentation and the production. Once you have mastered your system and you're very clear about what you're doing, whether it's a, a recipe for something people eat or uh, something that they apply to their bodies, or it's a way that you serve your customers, you need to be very clear and stick to it and not keep on experimenting in the process of delivery, right? Developing new ideas is good, but you don't develop new ideas while you are dealing with people's lives because anything that goes wrong, they are in trouble. And and this put your reputation at risk, of which any business does not want to do. But most of the time when we bring in procedures, uh, we look like, no, you know, Westerns always want to waste time. They always want to restrict us. But the processes, <laughs> all they are teaching us is that, you know, you may not be there tomorrow. Other people must be able to benefit from this service must be able to benefit from this product. Make sure that it lives beyond you. This is why standards and procedures or systems are very, very crucial in the business. Don't think of yourself. Think beyond you and think beyond your life. I think there's also a need to think about the power of our brands, right? Because if I'm uh -huh. looking for a specific lotion, and um, it's made locally, for example, I expect yeah. it to be at a specific standard, right? If you had mm. a franchise, say you were a franchisee for KFC, you would be expected to uphold all of KFC's standards and procedures, right? The secret recipe. If I buy a product from another country, for example, not necessarily, I'm guaranteed of service excellence, you know, returns, maybe customer care. Of course, it depends on the, mm -hmm. product, the, the product or service we're speaking about, you know, the quality guarantee and even the packaging. And we know that packaging mm -hmm. is something that is a huge challenge because it's expensive and you need to grow to a certain point or at least be able to access capital to be able to build your packaging. So now when it comes to our standards, what can we do as businesses in terms of our procedures to make sure that our brands are competitive? The good thing about uh, entrepreneurship is that the good teachers are the customers. They will tell you how they want their needs to be met and not necessarily how you want it to be met on their behalf. The problem that we have is that we impose our needs on the customers. I, I want it this way, therefore they must like it this way. I do get, I do understand that there are certain initiatives that comes, but those initiatives, they do not come in full package. So what we need to do is that once you have conceived the idea, the suggestion of any business procedures and plan or business plan is that you must have done market research to identify who these people, who are these people who are in need of this service or product? Why do they need it? 
and who is there who is offering the same or similar product and what are they lacking when you have carried out that it gives you database or information that then make you formulate or shape your ideas to say if others have not met it maybe i need to introduce this element that makes it attractive and don't don't bring it from the assumption bring it from the reference point of view that the customers have given you maybe they've been complaining about the lack of a certain element in that product or service which others have not addressed but then you introduce it and you ensure that you continuously ask what else can i do that's why if if you go to any shop today or you go to any consultancy today they have evaluation form they have surveys which keeps on asking questions from the customers and clients what more can we do how best do you want it so that you continuously improve what you have in order for it to meet the needs of the customers that you have in other word we are saying once you have mastered the needs of the customer once it does not mean it will never change it will keep on changing but you must also keep up with the change by improving the product and services because factors in the environment are not fixed they keep changing and you must go with them that is how we must establish our system if you once wrote your business plan and it worked well it does not mean you need to keep it for 100 years you must keep the vision but keep improving your ideas and service delivery or product offering to the customers if we do it this way then we will be able to meet the needs of people because people keep evolving as the environment present to them challenges and problems that they go through that's very true augustinus and i think it's also very important for us to remember to start where we are with what we have you know as much as it's <laughs> good to benchmark are you maximizing your resources the little you have are you perfecting it mastering it with each customer like you've said the best teacher is a customer but now when it comes to your procedures and your systems and your standards you know before you go out and you know start trying to copy whichever big brand you've seen have you actually mm-hmm. mastered where you are right now the market research is very important as you've said why is it that people prefer a certain product of course we know that a lot of our small businesses str- struggle so much because they don't benefit from economies of scale and we have these bigger nations dumping products you know at half the price these are things that are very difficult to control but like you said if you understand your client there are people who have specific tastes and specific uh-huh. uh you know desires that you are able to fulfill but it all boils down to your consistency and like you said not mixing experimentation with your production and you know just being uh-huh. very very clear about the steps that you take 
to achieve your goals, the steps that you take to make sure that this is a top tier service. If it's uh, in terms of the way that you deal with your customers, is it consistent, right? Or do you have uh, staff who are sometimes hostile and then other staff who are kind and there's lack of consistency there? How do you deal with your returns? How do you deal with negative Uh feedback? You know, like I said, I, I come back to you and I say, you know, the peanut butter isn't nice this time you know last time it was really nice but today there's there's too much liquid or you know there's too much salt how do you respond to such criticism do you use it as an opportunity to go back to the drawing board so that you can maintain your service excellence augustinus i need to ask you now what are some of the tips that you can share for actually putting these standards in place. For somebody who's listening now, I mean, we have different struggles. We're trying to keep up. We're trying to adapt. You know, you have certain customers telling you to do this, so you do it, and then the next customer doesn't like it. What would you say is the best way to put a system in place? I would start by saying that not every person who will be walking by your your shop is your customer. Some of them are competitors who are coming to challenge your ideas. And uh, some of them are dealing with identity crisis and they want to get confidence by breaking other people down. We need to consider that when we are making decisions. But the best way to start the procedures is not to imagine it to be complex. Procedures are very simple ideas. Ideas means I have run a hundred miles, but I'm going to run back to trace my step and find out what have I done to preserve the energy to have run that far. So if you have shaped a certain wood in a certain way. So what you do is that every successful stage, you write down what you have done then so that you don't forget to be able to do it until the completion of the process of caving that wood. And when you are done, you cut again a similar wood and you do the same. After you have caved the, the, these similar woods three times and it's giving you the same result, then what you do is that you make a conclusion of the procedure and say, you need to use a certain X that is as sharp as this and you need to hold that sole in a certain way and you need to use certain nails in order for you to be able to cave maybe that chair or that table. So in a way, when you do it that way, you can go to another person who have the same gift as you or having the same interest in, as you and, and teach them. The best way to be able to test your ideas is to pass it or to release it to another person, sometimes indirectly, and see how they can best carry it out. This is why bigger businesses have got intents. And these intents are the the people who come in 
and just use the procedures that these bigger businesses are, are having and then replicate what they've been doing over the past uh, years and see if they can be able to shape these ideas into something better as things evolved. So in other words, we are saying you don't need to have certain vocabularies to be able to start putting the procedures in place, but you need to have the patience to observe the details of things that you do. If you have spoken to a certain crowd, maybe you must sit back and reflect and ask, what have you done to have instilled confidence over the length of five minutes and you kept this audience captivated? If it's about teaching, what have you done to have made these people have interest in learning much more from you? When you write down these things that have made you to do that, it will remind you to do it over and over and over. And as you do it, you discover new ways of doing it. The good thing is that we are living in the era of technology. It's easier to introduce a machine if the procedure have been consistent and it have given you a certain product. And this doesn't mean that we must hold on to the past because this we are too good to this as Africans. We used to do it only this way. No, you must know that if you have done it that way it worked, you must keep on observing other ways of doing it effectively. Sometimes these procedures will even inform you on how to best use your time well. Maybe you have used two hours to just give one table, but then when you go through revising and reflect, reflecting on these um, uh, uh, procedures, you will discover new ways on how to do it in one hour or 30 minutes. And as you do that, it helps your production. It helps even your finance management because you cut off cost. It will help you even best ways on how to speak to your customers. But without procedures, you will cast emotions on things which requires you to affect and data. And then you would see that the world is evil and wicked towards you when you are not doing the right thing. Thank you so much for that, Augustinus. Also for pointing out the fact that, you know, having systems in place can help you to identify and prevent costly mistakes before they get out of hand. And it can also help you in terms of business continuity planning. I mean, COVID really showed us that we were not ready for what was coming. So now in terms of planning and anticipating business interruptions. If something happens, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to streamline our operations? How are we going to continue keeping our brands alive? And even when it comes to hiring Augustinus, I know this is something that um, mm. you've definitely been vocal about, especially when it comes to governance and, and issues of this nature. Are our hiring practices or systems sufficient to run the businesses that we want to because I may decide that I hire based on feelings. I may hire based on, you know, family attachments. Why are our hiring practices 
so important and where do our systems come in and how does it affect the company? Maybe I may pose a question to begin with. If you are hiring based on the family relationship you have, I want to understand whose purpose is that going to serve? Is it yours or the business? If it's yours, then keep it at the household level. If it's for the business, then do it in the right procedure and look for the competencies required in order for you to fulfill certain activities. Now, it's always difficult because we are emotional beings and social beings. We always put emotions where facts and logic was needed. For instance, if you are a managing director of a mining company and then you hire someone because you knew their mothers or you knew their brothers or you are married to that family, when they go in that dark pit and they do not know how to operate a certain machine, how will it benefit the company? If you are in the position as an entrepreneur of wanting to start something and you hire someone, sometimes not necessarily uh, a person that you have a relationship with, but someone who think and do things like you and they do not have competency because we were taught that birds of the same feathers flock together and when you formulate a team of like-minded you always succeed but then remember that sometimes it takes a person with a diverse with a difference to be able to fulfill an activity now you collect these people who will forever say yes to you even when you are compromising the standard what purpose will it serve to the business and what benefit do you have in the long run? So when you ask yourself these questions, you would realize that it's actually scary to hire based on emotions, as opposed to you thinking on hiring a skill and not a person or face to be able to solve a problem. Because money do not have emotions. And... Uh, Business do not listen to the cry. Business and money look at the logic and they look at how prepared you are to solve a problem in order for you to sustain the trust of people who will be able to come and consume your service and the product that you have. So when we are to figure out that there should be a separation between our personal life and our business life or our leadership life would then understand that it's good to have emotions because you'll be dealing with people, but it's not good to hire people based on emotions, but rather hire people based on skills that will be able to solve the problems that the business will be going through. For instance, in COVID-19, if you locked yourself in a room and cry, you would not wake up and find that the business have made profit. You had better 
sit into a conference room and find out a solution whether you have spent the whole day and night as a team and the people who were weak at heart they left the organizations before they were fired so you were only left with yourself and individuals with the hearts and minds that are consistently working hard to improve themselves in order for them to perform and it was not based on people who said yes you are doing good only even when you are doing bad and i think this also speaks to our choice of business partners right so beyond yes. just uh, the employees the people who you choose to work with what informs your decision to work with them what informs your decision to hire people what informs your decision to work with anyone very very closely because if it has been if it's a decision that's based on emotion as you've said then it can take you in a direction that you do not want to go in but if you have very clear systems and procedures then you know exactly what it takes or you have an idea of what it will take for you to achieve your business goals and so you can only work with certain types of people you can only hire certain types of people that are going to get you to where you want to go so in summary when we're sitting down to create our systems and our procedures we need to ask ourselves who is going to do what and when what is the process or method that we should follow and we should document the process augustinus as you've been saying how are we going to refer to our past successes even when we benchmark and we speak to other people about how they're running their businesses even when we compare ourselves to different or more successful brands are we documenting what we're learning and then how do we go about implementing and tracking and evaluating and improving our systems with time but then we now come to the major issue of accountability augustinus because i can come mm-hmm. and work, work for your company and you tell me okay christine these are the procedures this is how we get our secret recipe this is how we keep our top clients this is what we do and i don't always follow the instructions and there's no accountability what has your observation been uh, when it comes to accountability and following procedure one thing that i've learned is that um our systems want to bring leniency and uh, emotions again it's it's good to be emotionally intelligent when you are dealing with issues with people but it's not wise to ignore the outcome of certain decisions that we make for instance we may have the laws that that says if you have been absent for 2 3 weeks without a valid reason you may face disciplinary measures and then you would find out that the person that you have employed you know the mother and never you are faced with the challenge of wanting to discipline this person or hold them accountable you always consider what will the family say about me so at the end of the day we protect the dangerous beliefs and practices in the community 
at the detriment of the success of the business. And it becomes difficult to hold people accountable. You might have seen that even in the political space, you would find out that we all hate wrong things, but we do not want our friends and relatives or the people that we support or we are the fans too to be punished for doing something that is wrong. Hence, you have seen that it's almost difficult for us to become lawful as, as entrepreneurs and as people from this side of the world because we just want to be emotional in a situation where we're not supposed to. So accountability is one of the biggest challenge because one, it's a double sword. Uh, the, 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 the leaders in the business ventures or the entrepreneurs may use it to abuse others and sometimes may adopt leniency in order to abuse the business. There should therefore be a balance on how decision makings are made by the leaders. It's best to train yourself as an entrepreneur that in difficult situations, you must always imagine the worst happening. How are you going to prevent it? How are you going to solve that problem when it arises? But if you always imagine that things will go like you were in Eden, you will always find it shocking when people are to do things which you do not expect them to do. It will then be a decision. If you were to protect this person's behavior that she or he does not want to change, how will it affect the business? Will it become sustainable or it will be short-lived? If it will be sustainable, then you can keep the person. But if it will be short-lived, then you need to let go of a person who does not want to improve. If they want to learn, obviously they will come to you and say, I have done it several times. I tried. I thought I knew, but I do not know. Are you able to assist? With that, there's an exception. You would then put them on a course and then enable them to become effective, better, good, and best in what they are doing. But the person with the ignorance of their shortcomings and who does not want to be remorse of the wrongs that they are doing, unfortunately, that is too dangerous for the business to keep. You need to let them go. That is why every business have got code of conduct. That is to say these are the rules and regulations. These are the procedures. If you do not want to comply with this, then you are not buying into the vision. We'll let you go so that we hire someone who's having an interest. And you should always know that there are people out there who are interested in working with you. But those who are there ignorant that you are keeping us standing in the doors. Therefore, accountability is not good for the people who are emotional, but it's good for the people who want sustainability of the business. It's not good for those who want to relate family matters and friendship matters in the business, but it's good for those who think of the generation 
unborn to be able to benefit from the same service and that if it were to go extinct, the community and the society will suffer. So it's best to protect the majority than to protect this one individual who ran down the business. Thank you, Augustinus. And it goes back to the question that you asked us in the beginning. Why have you started this business? Is it just for today? Is it something that you want to outlive you? And like you said right now, that the greater purpose of the business and everything that you want to achieve supersede our emotions and they supersede the desire to protect one or two people who are not complying. They also supersede our own egos and our desire to hold on to control, our desire to micromanage, our desire to protect our intellectual property as well. In order for us to grow, we need to have very clear procedures that highlight or outline how exactly we achieve success, whether it is with our customers, our stakeholders, our suppliers, anybody who we're dealing with, how exactly do we get our results? Augustinus, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Augustinus Ngombe, as I said, is based in Vintuk, Namibia. He has just returned from the Mandela Washington Fellowship for Young African Leaders, which is a flagship program of the U.S. government's Young African Leaders Initiative. He is the author of two books. One is called Leadership and Knowledge, and the other is called Being Intelligently Emotional, Unlocking the Power of Ubuntu in Africa for Success in Leadership and Entrepreneurship. And you can definitely tell how he expertly blends his views of Ubuntu and African leadership with business principles. Augustinus, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Christine, for having me. It was really an honor to have a discussion or to participate here. I've learned much more than I have said. Thank you for joining us on the Purpose and Vision Mastery Podcast. Remember, purpose transforms everything. 